So happy Mother's Day to all of you that are here, those of you that have uh, children with you or grandchildren or great-grandchildren. I want to say a special hi to my mom, Betty Massaro. She's probably watching from Lancaster, Pennsylvania this morning. Thank you, Mom, uh, for loving me, for bringing me to church, for loving the Lord Jesus Christ and instilling uh, that faith in all of your kids. So thank you, Mom, for that. And my wife, Cindy, uh, who gave me four fun, unique children, uh, is out in Ohio today with Sarah. They are celebrating my grandson's first birthday, um, and she's spending Mother's Day with Will, our second son, and Alyssa and the other grandson. So hi to Cindy and happy Mother's Day to you too. It's so good to be in the house of the Lord, to be able to sing worship, to sing praise to our great God, because he deserves all of that. And a woman who fears the Lord can be blessed and can be praised. And that is something uh, that not only women need to esteem to, but men as well, to have a fear, respect, and awe of our great God. Over the last couple of years for Mother's Day, we've been studying different women in the Bible, getting to know who they are and how their faith impacted them and other people. And so, so far we talked about um, Priscilla, we talked about, who else? Eunice and Lois. Last year we talked about Eve, who was not only the first woman, but she was the first mom. And she did not have a, an easy momhood, did she? She had some troubled kids in her family. So right from the beginning, this was a hard job. And I appreciate all of you who have taken that on and do it with grace. This morning, we're going to look at the life of Sarah, and we're going to see ups and downs in her life. We don't have a short version where it just says one or two words about her. We have chapters and chapters because she was the wife of Abraham, the patriarch of Israel. So she's the matriarch of Israel. If you want to hear more about Sarah, you can go back and watch our Genesis Origins worship uh, sermon series, and that was from a couple years back, but you can find the link on our webpage. You can find it on YouTube, too. Those of you that are watching online, we're really glad to have you with us. If you want to say a shout-out to your mom, you can do that in the comments, and you can tell them that you're watching, tell her that you're watching. So this morning, we're going to start in Genesis chapter 11, and if you want to turn there with me to be ready, we're going to jump through these chapters kind of quickly, just a 5,000-foot uh, view of the life of Sarah, some of the highlights. It's page 8 in the Black Bible in front of you, and it's page 10 in the Red Bible. Some of your pews have a Red Bible with a larger type. It's a little easier for folks like me to read. So put on your seatbelts, get ready. We're going to dig in and fly through Sarah's life. We're going to see, as I said, the ups and downs. We're going to see some turbulence, but we're going to see a great landing. She ends well, and the New Testament speaks highly of her. So let's pray before we read God's Word. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for this day. Thank you that we could come together and worship you. Thank you for uh, sunshine and beautiful weather here in western New York. Thank you for a day that we can honor our moms. You've given them to us uniquely to care for us, to provide for us, to love us. And Lord, I just pray your hand of blessing on them. 
continue to give them strength, especially those with young ones at home, that you would give them patience and kindness and let them know your love through them. And Lord, as we read your word this morning, as we look at the life of Sarah, I just pray that you would help us to have open ears, hearts that are soft and ready to hear your word and to respond to what we hear. We ask your blessing on all that we say and do this morning in Christ's name. Amen. So we're breaking uh, Sarah's life into just two categories. The time that she was called Sarai, which is S-A-R-A-I, that means my princess. And then God renamed her very late in her life and called her Sarah, which means princess without the possessive my. So she went from Abram's princess to God's princess. And so we're going to look at her life in those two different time periods. She was known as an extremely beautiful woman, maybe something of a pampered prima donna. Eve, we would assume, was gorgeous because she was created before sin and she was the very first woman. Sarah is probably second to Eve in her beauty. But along with her beauty, we see in Scripture that she could be impatient. She could be temperamental. She could be conniving and cruel. She could be pouty, jealous, erratic, unreasonable, a whiner and a complainer, and sometimes even a nag. How's that for a happy Mother's Day card? Wouldn't you love that? Thanks, Mom, for being all of these things. And I'm not just speaking to the moms, but we can all be those things, can't we? We can be pretty unbeautiful and unloving and unlovely throughout our days. But in spite of all of these difficult character qualities that we see in Sarah, we see a faith that was so strong. We see her holding on to this hope that God placed in her, and she finishes well. And that's really the most important thing. It's not just how you start and what happens along the way, but do you finish well? She was saved by God's grace. She was saved by mercy. She was saved by faith in a coming Messiah. And that saving grace is available to all of us, every one of us today, no matter whether we're moms or not, no matter what adjectives could be strung in front of our names, and I would hate to hear that list for myself, God's grace forgives and saves, and that's available. Her good looks brought her favor. It brought her privilege, and maybe it caused a little bit of that princess reputation that she has. Even when she was 65 years old, her beauty was turning heads, and her beauty made her husband jealous. He was worried he was going to lose her. Like almost all women in her culture, Sarai was looking for a family. She wanted children because that was the measure of God's blessing. The more children you had, God must have really loved you and blessed you more. And that improved your status in the community. It made your husband know that you were providing the family that he wanted as well. And it probably didn't help that God promised Abraham, or Abram at that time, as many offspring as the sand at his feet, or as he looked up into the sky to see the stars, and God said, Abram, I'm giving you that many descendants. 
And here is Sarai waiting and hoping for this family that God has promised for many, many, many years. The first time we meet Sarai in Genesis chapter 11, we find out that she was barren. She could not have children. Verse 30 says, Now Sarai was barren, and she had no child. God called Abram when he was 75, and Sarai was 65. He called him out of a pagan land. They were not worshipers of God, but God spoke to Abram and said, Come, follow me, leave this place. I'm going to send you to a promised land and I'm going to show you great things, and I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make of you a great nation, and through you the whole world will be blessed. All of the families on earth are going to be blessed through you, Abram. How's that for a great promise, an exciting future? And he's 75. A lot of people at 75 are hanging up their holsters and thinking, I'm done. And God says, you have a future in front of you, and it's going to be fantastic. That blessing that would bless all of the families of the earth was one of the early discussions or early promises of a Messiah, one who would come and bless not just these chosen people in Israel, but all of the world. The Messiah, the Redeemer, would come through Abram's family line. There's no mention of Sarai complaining when Abram says, God spoke to me and we're leaving. We're leaving your family, we're leaving my family, we're taking off. There's no complaining, there's nothing like, are you sure it was really God? It wasn't just something weird you ate last night? Did you really hear the voice of God? Because this is a big deal. We're leaving everything we know and headed off into the unknown. There's no mention of any of that. Sarai at Abram's side said, where you go, I'll go. And she was ready to follow him no matter what. That's great faith. Later in Genesis 12, verse 10, it tells us that there's a famine in the land. So Abram goes down into Egypt looking for food, looking for something to provide for his family to take care of them. They need safety. And Abram was afraid Sarai is 65, he's 75, and he is afraid that someone in Egypt is going to see Sarai and say, I want her for my harem. She needs to be part of my group. I'm going to take her. And Abram thought, well, if that happens, they're just going to kill me off. They're not going to care about me. They're just going to take my woman and leave me on the road dead. So he says to Sarai, when people come to us when we're traveling through the land, tell them that you're my sister, that we're traveling as brother and sister, and then they won't think I'm a threat. They won't think I'm your husband, and they won't kill me. Here's Abram, who trusts God so hugely to follow him anywhere, and he's afraid about this little detail in his life. And so he asks Sarai to lie. Tell them you are my sister. And Abram, to make an excuse, it, he was his, Sarai was actually his half-sister. So at this point in time, they're marrying within tribes, within families, and they share the same 
uh, father, but not the same mother. So in a way, he's saying, well, it's kind of true. You can tell them you're my sister, and it'll keep me out of trouble. But unfortunately, as Sarai goes along with that, and the Egyptians say, this woman is gorgeous, we want her, then all kinds of bad things happen to the Egyptians. And eventually, Abram tells the truth, and they say, just leave us here. Here's lots of animals. Here's lots of gold and silver. Just, just leave before more bad things happen to us. Why would you lie to us like this? So Abram has a really bad testimony with the people of the land, but God blesses him and gives him all of these things. Moving on to chapter 15, Abram is now years later, still no children, and so he says to his servant, Eliezer, I want you to be my heir. You'll be the one that has all of these blessings happen because God hasn't given me a son. Abram believed God, and God counted it to him as righteousness. He believed in the promise, but he just wasn't so sure that God could take care of the details. God couldn't protect Sarai. He couldn't make a son happen. He was all in for the big blessing, but he really couldn't see that God could take care of the everyday stuff. Sarai must have been feeling more and more pressure, and she made a deal that still has echoing tragic consequences today. In Genesis chapter 16, it says, Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, and she had a female Egyptian servant whose name was Hagar. Sarai said to Abram, Behold, now the Lord has prevented me from bearing children, so go in to my servants. Sarai believes in God's promise, but thinks she has to fix the problem. Can't leave it to God, can't leave it to Abram. I've got to take control. And she invites another woman into her marriage. She was so desperate for a family. This is polygamy. And nowhere in Scripture is it ever condoned. It is, in fact, preached and taught against because God created a one man, one woman. Hear that again, one man, one woman. That's the ideal, that is the plan, that is marriage according to God. One man and one woman, no other combinations. God never accepts it, and there are always problems when one of these men decide that they need more wives. Think about David, think about Solomon, and here Abram accepting his wife's suggestion. As soon as Hagar becomes pregnant, she starts treating Sarai with contempt. She starts mistreating her, even though she's her boss. And Sarai goes to Abram and says, get rid of her. This is a bad idea. I shouldn't have ever done this. Didn't even have a baby yet, but she's pregnant. And Hagar says, you can do whatever you want. So Sarah sends Hagar away. God protects her and comes to her and says, through you will also be many nations. Go back to Sarai. Go back to Abram. I will watch over you. God's covenant, God's promises to Abram never mentioned Sarai by name. It just talks about Abram having descendants and having a family. So maybe she's starting to lose hope. 
She's trying to solve this on her own. Again, planning, conniving, making things happen because the guys aren't doing it. So Hagar bears a son. He's named Ishmael, and he becomes the father of the Islamic nations. The Middle East has seen hatred and has seen wars ever since. Thousands of years of turmoil in the Middle East because Sarai lost hope and she brought Hagar into her family, into her marriage. Sarai's determination to have a family and to do it on her own terms has caused all of this strife for all of these years and it's still going on today. But there's good news. In Genesis chapter 17, God confirms his covenant with Abram. He's now 99 years old, which means Sarai is 89 years old. And God says to Abram, I'm going to now call you Abraham, which means the father of a multitude of nations. Similar to Sarai's name, which was my princess, Abram meant father. But God says, you're not just a father, you're going to be the father of many nations. And God changes Sarai's name to Sarah, which means princess. And as I said before, it doesn't have the possessive my, it's just princess, God's princess, the princess of the nations. She becomes the matriarch. And at 90, God said, you're going to give birth to a son and all the nations that will follow coming from her. This was the first time that her name is specifically mentioned and that God says, Sarah will give you the son. Before, as I said, only Abraham was mentioned. So in chapter 18, it says, the Lord appeared to Abram. This is what we call a Christophany. Jesus the Lord, the Son of God, who existed before time, Father, Son, and Spirit have always existed. The Lord shows up on earth. It's not Jesus, because he hasn't been born as Jesus yet, but the Lord is here in a human form, and he has two angels with him who look like men, and they show up at the tent of Abraham. Abraham says, we need to feed these visitors quickly, make a meal for them. How many moms and wives would love to hear that from your husband? Unexpected guests, quickly make a meal. Do something, do your magic in there and take care of them. Sarah responds with love, with respect, and she does just what is needed. It's one of the marks of her faithfulness, not just to God, but to her husband. She submitted to the request. She didn't complain. She didn't question. She didn't argue. And it says she served them well. Let's look at Genesis 18, 9 to 15. Genesis 18, verses 9 to 15. They said to Abram, Abraham, where is Sarah, your wife? And he said, she's in the tent. The Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent door behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in years. I apologize, that's what the Bible says. 
the way of women had ceased to be with Sarah, meaning she can no longer bear children. It's not going to happen naturally. The Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Shall I indeed bear a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you about this time next year, and Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denied it, saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. He said, No, but you did laugh. God doesn't let her get away with this. You laughed. I heard you. I'm God. My hearing, my hearing is pretty good. I know exactly what you said. You can't just sweep this under the rug. There's no way I'm going to let you get away with it. Why did you laugh, Sarah? Can God really do this? At my age, I'm going to have a child? And Abraham is thinking the same thing. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Do you have trouble trusting God with little things? I'm not saying this is a little thing, but Abraham is trusting God with his future. He's trusting him to move to a foreign place, to take care of him, to provide all of these things for him. He steps out into the unknown for years, traveling to an unknown place. And yet, it's too much for God to protect my wife. It's too much for God to provide a baby. It's too much for God... Sometimes we pray and we think about the big things. God, I really need help with this. But the little things we think, God can't handle that or maybe he's just not interested. Peter shared with us, cast all of your cares on him because he cares for you. It doesn't say bring him the big stuff. It says all of your cares, anything that you're worried about, anything you're concerned about, he cares for you. He wants us to bring those things to him in prayer, in requests, and say, God, help me. When we humble ourselves and say, we need help, God is pleased with that. He loves a humble heart. So now Sarah had heard the promise with her own ears. Before this, as I said, it was just Abraham sharing it, his dreams, the messages that God gave him. She believed Abraham through all of that. Isn't that amazing? That she trusted, she had faith, and she believed him, that God was saying these things over all of these years. But verse 12 says that she laughed to herself when at the age of 90 she would have a child. And when God questioned it, she lied and she denied it. We turn over a couple more chapters to chapter 20. You'll see the heading Abraham and Abimelech. That's a great name. Not too many Abimelechs today. Nobody's named their kid that, right? You could call him Abe, I guess. Abimelech is the king of Gerar, and the same thing happens. She's now 89, 90 years old, and she's still attracting men's attention. This is amazing. Abraham says, tell him you're my sister. It worked so great last time, he does it again. It's just crazy that he would try this again. It's like a, a sitcom, right? When they just get into these goofy situations like taking two girls to the prom and you try and keep them in different parts of the room. Let's try this again. It's got to work this time. I don't suggest that to anybody. I didn't do that. I'm just telling you that's what sitcom humor is like. Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> 
<laughs> Cindy, if you're watching this, I didn't do that. All right, God interceded. God interceded again. He protected Sarah. Maybe he'll protect me too. And Abimelech returns Sarah safe and sound. The same thing happens. Abimelech's household is cursed because he has another man's wife, and he doesn't even know what's going on. And God reveals to him, this woman, Sarah, belongs to another man. And even this pagan who doesn't worship the one true God says, this isn't right, I need to restore her. And again, he gives Abraham a bunch of stuff and says, why did you trick me? Here's a bunch of stuff, don't get me in more trouble. It's crazy, but God provided for Abraham over and over again. And then in chapter 21, the Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did to Sarah as he had promised. And Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age, at the time of which God had spoken to him. Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah bore him, Isaac. God did this. God visited Sarah, and she bore a son. She conceived, and it was a year later, just like the Lord had said, a year from now, you will have a child. They named him Isaac, which means laughter. So that every time she picked up her son, every time she held him in her arms, she would be reminded that she lied to God and tried to get away with it. But she would also be reminded of the great joy that God brought to her life. She laughed, and God rewarded her with a son. It's a laugh of joy instead of a laugh of nervousness. And after all of these long years of desperation, frustration, disappointment, questioning God, are you really going to do this for me? All of the sin, all of the lies, all of the deceit, messing up her marriage, God blesses Sarah with a son, and she enjoyed being a mom at 90 years old. How many of you ladies are ready to start a new family? I'm not going to ask your ages, even though Mark seems to enjoy doing that. <laughs> Any of you that are over 60, do you want to start a family? Isn't it nice to visit your grandkids and send them home or let them sleep over and, you know, you don't have to do all of the mom work. She's 90 years old and she begins being a mom. Hagar's son Ishmael starts mocking his half-brother Isaac, possibly because he's jealous there's a new son in the family and this is the promised one. Ishmael somewhere finds out along the way that he was not the one and this was wrong the way he came into the world. And so Sarah goes into mama bear mode and again kicks out Hagar kicks out Ishmael to protect her son, to keep him from maybe being attacked or being mocked all the time because he's the rightful heir to God's promise. As far as we know, Sarah was a loving, caring mother. She cared for Isaac well until he was an adult. Genesis 23 tells us that Sarah lived 127 years. This was the time when people were still living longer in the land. It wasn't too far after the flood. It was just several generations later, 
and people were living longer lives. Abraham wept and he mourned for his wife. And he went into this promised land, the, the land that God was giving him, and he bought a cave. He bought a piece of property that had a place where he could bury his wife. And it says later, he would be buried there, Joseph would be buried there, Isaac would be buried there, Rachel. This became a family tomb in the promised land so that they could rest where God had planned for them. So we saw Sarai as the princess who wanted everything. We saw her turn into God's princess who was cared for and became the matriarch. And now we'll wrap up seeing hope in God. The New Testament gives us some more insight into Sarah's character and faith because the Holy Spirit was helping these men write these things. They didn't just figure this out on their own. This is the Holy Spirit telling them, this is how Sarah was saved. Let's, 1 Peter chapter 3, if you want to turn there with me, you can. 1 Peter 3, 6. As Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, you are her children, and if you do good, do not fear anything that is frightening. This section is talking about husbands and wives, and it says, likewise, verse 1, wives be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, if you have an unbelieving husband, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see your respectful and pure conduct. Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair, the putting on of gold jewelry, the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands. And then we had the verse that I just read, as Sarah obeyed Abraham and calling him Lord. She listened, she submitted to him. She had a quiet spirit, a gentle spirit. And even though she had unsurpassed external beauty, she focused on her heart. She focused on the inside. Having respect, having pure motives, showing your inner beauty is what will win over an unbelieving husband, your children, or anyone around you. When we focus on clothing and hairstyle and makeup and jewelry, those are all just external dressings. They don't say anything about who you are on the inside. They're not what really matters because God says, it's people that look at the outside. I look at the heart. That's what really matters to me. And it says, in God's sight, this is very precious. Do you want to be precious in God's sight? Then have a gentle and quiet spirit. Verse 7, I can't skip that. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. This weaker vessel has caused a lot of people to stumble over the years. He's talking about the physical vessel that we inhabit, and whether or not the world believes it, women's bodies are not as strong as men's bodies. I said it. That's true. God designed us that way. 
Doesn't mean that some women are stronger than their husbands, but God created us that way. And he said to the husbands, take care of your wife, love her, protect her, care for her, nurture her. The outside may be weaker, but at the inside, she is an heir to the throne of grace, just like you. Husbands and wives stand before God on their own. And there's nothing lesser or weaker spiritually about women. We have the blessing of having a lot of men in our church, which is awesome. But if you go to a lot of churches, it's often just filled with women because they care about the Lord, they love the Lord, and often their husbands have just been so hardened that they don't want to come. I'm thankful for the guys that are here, and I'm thankful for the women that are still faithful to the Lord. And here's a warning, men. Honor your wife. Live with her in an understanding way so that your prayers are not hindered. God's not going to even listen to you if you mistreat your wife, if you don't care about her, if you don't love her, if you don't understand her. So on Mother's Day, while the Sarah message is to you ladies about being God's princess, the message to the guys is love, honor, respect your wife, care for her. Kids, honor your mom. Obey her. We're going to stand before God, men, and answer for the way that we loved and cared for our wife. So the other place that Sarah is mentioned in the New Testament as we wrap up is Hebrews 11. This is the famous faith chapter. And I love the fact that she's in here. There's a big, long section about Sarah's faith and her hope in God keeping his promises. The fact that God gave her power to conceive even at her age. Listen to Hebrews 11, 11 to 16. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive even when she was past the age since she considered him, God, faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man and from him as good as dead were born descendants as many as the stars of the heavens and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. Sarah was not only looking forward to having this son, but knowing that through her family, the whole earth was blessed. She had faith in a Redeemer, a Messiah coming. And while she didn't know the name Jesus, that faith is what saved her. She looked forward to that far better country, heaven. And God was waiting there because of her faith. Jesus Christ, the Messiah, came through Abraham and Sarah. And that was the blessing that they had. And that is what saved them, their faith and belief and trust that God would do just as he said he would. So our takeaways as we wrap up this morning, first of all, to the women here, whether you're single, whether you're married, 
with children, without children, is your focus on inner beauty or outer beauty? If you thought about the time that you spent to come out this morning and how beautiful you all look, thank you for spending time to look beautiful. If you think about that on a daily, weekly average, are you spending that much time in the Word and in prayer? Do you get up an hour early so that you can get ready for work or wherever you're going to go? Do you get up an hour early to pray and to spend time with God? God loves a heart that is after His. Is your desire for children greater than your desire to glorify God in everything else? This has become in a problem for our society for so many where this desire for a family overcomes everything else and we can forget the things that are important in terms of serving God and being right where we are, who we are at this time, always looking for something more, always looking for something better. Are we satisfied with what God has given us right now? And if you're married, do you submit to your husband's leadership with a gentle and quiet spirit? All of you may not have a spiritual leader as a husband, but God calls you still to have that gentle, quiet spirit so that through your actions, not your words, he may be saved. He may see God at work in your heart and say, I want to have that. I want to know Jesus Christ. So I would encourage you to keep doing that. If you're a mother or a grandmother, are you teaching are you modeling God's word for your family throughout the day? In Leviticus, it said, or I'm sorry, Deuteronomy 6, it says, when you rise up, when you sit down, when you're walking, when you're shopping, wherever you're going, whatever you're doing, are you pointing your kids, your grandkids to the great God who loves us, who created us? Are you sharing him with the next generation? Kids, there's a couple of you here. And some of us are still kids if we have a mom. Do you obey and you honor your mother like God commands you to? Ephesians 6 says, this is the first commandment with a promise. It will go well with you. It will be better for you. And you'll have a longer life if you obey and honor your parents. They're there to guide you, to love you to protect you, especially when you're younger, and when we're older, to continue to help us. Do you honor and obey your mom? Kids, you can memorize Ephesians 6, 1 to 3. Write that down and memorize it. Some mothers love gifts. Some mothers love flowers and crafts. But all of them would prefer your love, your honor, and your obedience above all of those things. Husbands, do you honor your wife? Do you provide for her? Do you protect her? When something goes thump in the night, do you say, honey, go check that out? <laughs> or do you go check it out? Do you speak well of her in front of your children, in front of others? Your wife should never be the target of jokes and those kind of things where you're just demeaning her in front of your kids especially? And then do you encourage her in your faith? Are you the one who says, 
let's go. We've got church tonight. Let's go to growth group. Let's go serve the Lord together. Let's read our Bible together. Let's pray. Men, be the leaders spiritually that God has called you to. And it says to do that with love and understanding, not domineering, not saying I'm the boss, loving, understanding, respecting, and honoring. That's what God calls a real man. Be that kind of man. It's not Father's Day yet, but I'm telling you now, clean up your act. And anybody else, if you're not in one of those categories, I think we all fall into one of those, but the Messiah has come. This promised one that came to bless the world, bless the nations. God sent his only son, Jesus Christ, to pay the price for our sins through his death on the cross. And by rising again, he offers eternal life. He overcame the grave. If you've never confessed your sin, if you've never humbled yourself and said, Jesus, I need you. I need a savior. God, I can't do this on my own. I need to know you, and I need to know what you expect from me in this life. I'm tired of doing it my way. I want to do it your way, God. If you've never trusted Jesus as your Savior, I would invite you to do that today. And if you call your mom this afternoon and tell her what you did, that'll be the best Mother's Day present she could ever have, even better than sitting next to her this morning. And I'm so glad that so many of you did that. As we sing our final song this morning, you can come down and meet me and sit in one of these pews. If you want to pray about one of these things, some decisions you need to make, or if you want to trust Jesus as your Savior, Savior, you can come during that song. Mark's going to come and get ready for that. Ladies, if you didn't pick up a gift bag on your way in, they're on the little tables on the way out, and all the ladies are welcome to take one of those. We love you, and we're glad you're here with us today. And I hope you'll be back with us again next week. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the women that you've placed in our lives. Mothers, grandmothers, adopted moms, all different people that you've given us to care for us, to provide for us, to love us, to nurture us, and hopefully to point us to you. Lord, I just pray that you would bless the women that are here, those that are moms already, those that are looking forward to being moms, those that desire to know you better. And I pray, Lord, that that inner beauty through a peaceful and gentle spirit would be developed in all of them. Lord, I pray that you would go with us in this upcoming week, knowing that nothing is too hard for you. We can bring all of our cares, all of our worries, all of our struggles to you because you care for us. You'll give us the grace, you'll give us the mercy, you'll give us the courage and strength to face whatever lies in front of us this week. Now may Jesus Christ, the Son of God, dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend the breadth, the length, the height, and the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God the Father. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, his son. Amen.